Can you see it? Did you know Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice, at arm's length. To the line, Hughes, scores! Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down Day. Wow, we should do a Raiders show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is David Quadrelli and joining me now remotely is Chris Faber. Chris, what is your setup looking like? Ah uh, man, I'm back on uh, Vancouver Island, I'm in Nanaimo, just kind of doing some quarantine setup here. And uh, yeah, I don't have my desk or anything that I'm used to. Uh, we're not at BCIT anymore, so I am sitting on a couch cushion with a tote in front of me here. So uh, yeah, we're we're uh, we're you know we're driving through this tough time uh, with the quarantine setup, and obviously not a lot of hockey. But man, we we got a lot of news this week and a lot of stuff to talk about. I think it's actually going to be a pretty good episode. Yeah, we do. We do have a lot of stuff, and you know, next week is going to be a great episode as well. I know you and I briefly talked before this episode about what next week and the coming weeks are going to look like. I'm excited to share that with people. But first, let's kind of talk about the Patreon because that's something that launched this week. Uh, you haven't written anything yet, but I know you're working on something. So why don't you just kind of tell people about the Patreon and what you're working on right now for it? Yeah, so we uh, decided to start the uh, the nice tier, I guess is what it's called. Uh, and you and Corey have put out an article each already. Awesome start. And, you know, you being able to talk to JT Miller made that an even better article. Uh, but, yeah, what we're trying to do is, you know, it's tough for a lot of other writers out there. And I know Corey is one that we're obviously good, really good friends with. Uh, and he's a guy that got let go from Canucks Army. And we... We thought that that was a the wrong decision, I think, and uh, I think that we thought that you know we could bring Corey in with us, uh, maybe spread some of the Patreon money around with him because I think Corey's an incredible writer, especially about the YouTube comments. I don't think there's anyone out there doing better work than him, uh, and we would be happy to have him come along with us. So we did launch the Patreon. It's a dollar sixty nine to get involved with that, uh, but obviously everyone who's been donating in the past, whether it's the five dollar tier or the ten dollar tier, they're all going to be included in there. So. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed the uh, first two articles. I guess two and a half because you did the little intro article as well. Yes, exactly. And that was one that was made public for people just kind of explaining what we're doing. But yeah, definitely go check out the Patreon. That's where all of our articles are going to be for the time being. Because uh, yeah, as Chris kind of touched on, it was a bit of a situation going on at Canucks Army, which I'm sure a lot of people saw on uh, on Twitter. Basically, uh, all you need to know is Chris 
me, Chris, and Corey aren't writing there anymore for the time being. Um, I think there's still a plan for us all to return. So um, hopefully we'll see, you know, once this all ends. That's the whole reason we're recording uh, remotely is because of the coronavirus and everything going on. So that is also why we're not at Canucks Army anymore. So once this all blows over, hopefully we'll all be back, uh, back to normal. So let's just get into our actual podcast, Chris. You touched sure on it. Thing. I wrote about that article with uh, JT Miller and how he became inseparable from Elias Pettersson. And the Canucks actually had a Zoom meeting for his media availability. Uh, and that was that was a lot of fun. It was it was awesome. We were all on there. And uh, Ben Brown, the Canucks PR guy, was just like, okay, yeah, we're going to be taking questions. Just send a, send a message in the chat if you have a question. So I was like, I have a question, Ben. And he's like, okay, you're next. I'm like, okay, perfect. So I asked my question. Uh, he actually gave me a good response. I was able to use the entirety of his quote in my story. Um, really? Because it didn't look like it I at was. the start of his response. <laughs> What's that? It didn't look like it at the start of his response. It didn't look like uh, you were getting oh. quotes out of JT Miller because he messed up the mic or something. Man, I know. I was sweating bullets, man. Like I was telling, uh, I was telling Rob Williams, I had my. Uh, I had my AirPods in, so I just cranked the audio. But for those that don't know and haven't seen the video, basically, JT Miller took my question, and as soon as he started to answer it, he, like, shifted. He was laying down on his couch, basically. Um, And he, like, shifted and covered his mic, so nobody could hear what he was saying. But I was wearing AirPods, so I just cranked the volume all the way to the max, and I was able to faintly make out what he was saying. And then, uh, thankfully, Ben Brown jumped in, and was like, uh, uh, JT, can I interrupt for a second? I'm going to need you to repeat your answer. The audio is just a little messed up. And JT's like, oh, yeah, sorry. And then as soon as he said that, I first was worried that he was going to be like, sorry, what was that question again? And then I would yeah. be like, uh, and then, like, you know, scramble. It's, like, hard enough for me to ask a question. Like, I'm just getting used to all this. But um, <laughs> then then I was worried that he would just forget his answer and be like, ah, oh, let's just jump to the next one. I'd be like, fudge. See, I said yeah. fudge there. There you go. Good job. I'm swearing on this podcast. You've been practicing not swearing with all this social distancing going on? I have. I have been, yes. That's good. Get back get back on the radio game pretty soon. If we're going to be in radio arts program, we got to work on that a little bit. Yeah, we might have to e- clean up a little bit. But anyways. Either that or our, our editing could get better either. We could do either or. Oh, no kidding, eh? <laughs> we got to jump into some news here, Chris. Agent Todd Diamond on TSN 1040 yesterday, I think it was, on if Nikita Triamkin would go to Utica, which I've made very clear is where I think is necessary for him to go. I would love to be proven wrong and that he just comes up and shows a, gr- a great performance at training camp this uh, this September or whenever it is, really. Um, but Todd Diamond, the agent of Nikita Triamkin, says, makes no sense at all. I don't see that script happening. That's from TSN's Rick Dollywall. Chris, what are your thoughts, man? Man, I know that, yeah, this is something we can talk about. Because, okay, so Nikita Triamkin wants to come back. He wants to jump right into the NHL. He's not going to do that unless there's like multiple injuries to the Canucks and that just wouldn't work out with the timeline of him coming over to North America. I mean, he's either going to be the seventh defenseman or he should play in Utica. Like we talked about it a while ago about how Nikita Triamkin going to Utica and proving it would make Canucks fans just fall in love with him because like Canucks fans are already in love with him. They're in love with the idea of Nikita Triamkin, right? Like that six foot eight. Big defenseman. People want to see him play with Tyler Myers. Like, that would be an absolute gong show. But I think if, if he were to, like, come over here and, and you know, put in the work in Utica like some of these players like Sven Berchi or Nikolai Goldobin or Reed Boucher are doing, like if he had, like, an ounce of, of effort given to Utica and he went down to Utica and did this, and even for, like, a half of a year he was the first defenseman call-up, because if he gets there right now, 
I mean, Brogan Rafferty's probably still higher than him, but I, I would bet that Trianca would be higher than Oleo Levy on the depth charts for getting called up. And I, I would think that guys like Guillaume Brisebois and Jalen Chatfield would be guys underneath of Nikita Trianca. So I think if he were to go to Utica, I mean, like, that's that's the only option, really, I see right now. I've, I've watched a decent amount of Trianca play this year. Not a ton, probably probably a, maybe a dozen games or so this year. And, like, he doesn't... He doesn't look fast in the KHL, like the ice is bigger, so it's, you know, gives him a little bit more space out there, but he doesn't, doesn't impress the hell out of me. Like, like even Pod Colson, like watching Pod Colson skate around on that ice, like he makes an impact on every shift, but Triamkin doesn't use that body like a lot of people want him to do. He doesn't skate amazingly. He moves the puck decently. He's a guy that's pretty good on the penalty kill because he's got that long stick. Like, look at Zidane Char's made a career out of it. But, I mean, Triamke just seems to be lacking that little bit to make him say that he's a for-sure guy that's going to jump to the NHL to me. Well, here's what I'll say about Triamkin, right? So, in my opinion, when he was here, he was progressing well. He had a chance to be something. And the Canucks were developing him the right way. It's something he said, is that he felt the Canucks were developing him for the North America game, which is, you know, where his goal is to play. Uh, you know, there was a disagreement with Willie Desjardins, all that stuff, you know, him not liking the stench of weed in the city, apparently, like, there's a ton of reasons why he left. But yeah. my point being is that I think he was progressing on the right track, but now he's 25 and he hasn't been doing that. He didn't do the same things the Canucks want him to do when he's in the KHL. He wasn't under Canucks coaching. I don't think he's in a position to be saying, yeah, I'm going to step in and get a third pairing spot or a seventh. D-. I don't think he's going to get a roster spot. Like, I don't think yeah. this guy is going to be on the Canucks at the end of training camp. That's just my opinion. I think Brogan Rafferty is surely ahead of him. I think there is no way this organization can look Brogan Rafferty in the eye and say, yeah, this guy that uh, from the KHL, we're just going to throw him in there right now. It's just not not something I see. You know, you and I talked to Brogan Rafferty, what was it, two weeks ago? He was... Yeah. He was a little pissed off that he didn't make the team out of camp this year. And, you know, like, yeah, I definitely got that vibe from him. Yeah. They brought in Tyler Myers. They brought in Jordy Ben. Like, Brogan Rafferty thought he should have been on the team, thought he should have had a, you know, he showed well. That's all he said. I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but he he felt like he showed well, and he's not wrong about that. He had a great preseason. I think he's going to have another one next year. He just proved himself in Utica. What's next for him? I think it's a roster spot. Yeah, and you could tell with the attitude that Brogan Rafferty had, like when he came on our show, like you could you could hear that he wanted to, you know, he's a confident kid. I think we could tell that from the interview, and he wants to make that NHL team, and I think that he's put in the work to get him to that point. I mean, he came out, had an incredible rookie season in the AHL. Like, that's what Nikita Triamke needs to do. He needs to go to the AHL, he needs to prove that he can be good on North American ice, and I think he would. Like, I, I seriously think that Triamke would be effective in Utica, I think he'd be an excellent defenseman down there. I think that his big body and the way that he could play is something that's appealing to the Canucks, and I think that there could be a spot for him, but there's just not a spot right now. And if, if that's what their goal is, I mean, his contract's up in the KHL, so he can come over uh, you know, pretty much any time right now. Like Whenever he wants to sign, he can sign, but I just don't see it happening because if, if this is what his agent's saying, uh, the combination of Todd Diamond, Nikita Triamkin, and the Vancouver Canucks just is not a great match right now. No, and I want to look at the right side defense here because right now it's Tanev, uh, Myers, and Stetcher. Okay, you put those in whatever order you want. It doesn't matter. Uh, The Canucks probably aren't going to get Tanev or Stetcher back. Like one of the two is probably not coming back. That's going to leave a spot for Brogan Rafferty in my opinion, and that's going to be your third pairing D-man is Brogan Rafferty. Um, 
you know, let's say it's Stetcher that comes back. Stetcher plays on the second pairing, sometimes the first pairing, by the end of the year, like every year. Stetcher's a versatile defenseman who can play up and down your lineup. Tanev, same sort of thing. Like, Tanev's steady. There's no, like, you know, you worry about injuries. Sure, maybe if there's an injury, Triamkin could come up. But the fact that they're saying it makes no sense at all for Nikita Triamkin to go to Utica? Are you kidding me? How does that not make any sense? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, I, obviously the agent's trying to negotiate on behalf of his client, and he's obviously trying to make his client look as good as possible. But if this is really how they feel, like, no, we're not going to Utica. If that's what Triamkin's saying, then I, th- like, package him in a trade. Tell him to take a hike. Give him a good shot at training camp. If he doesn't make it out of camp and he doesn't want to go down to Utica, trade him. Like, you have to you have to do something here, but I, I don't see him stepping in and making an immediate impact. I'd love to see him come into camp and just have an undeniable training camp and be the best player on the ice in all the preseason games he plays and earn a spot out of camp. That'd be awesome. But, you know, yeah. this coach, man, he's not somebody that just gives out ice time unless you make $6 million. But he's there's no way that Green's just going to be like, oh, well, you know, He's demanding ice time. Better give it to him. Like, there's not a chance in hell that happens. No, and like you said, that's that's basically what he has to do to make this lineup. He's going to have to tear it up in training camp for preseason. But, you know, like, I, I do agree with you. If he's not going to go out to Utica, like, he'll be a great defenseman partner for maybe, like, Alex Biega in Detroit. Like, that would be a great pairing. I'm sure Detroit would be super happy about that. But, like, he's not going to be a top six defenseman right now. Just coming over from the KHL. I mean, look at some of the guys that have come over from the KHL in the past. Like, defensemen don't really thrive because you, there's so much more ice there in the KHL and it plays such a different game that, you know, the NHL is just so, so different. Like, it's, it's a little bit, it's a lot more closed in, which could be a good thing for a guy like Trankin, right? I mean, he could get to use his size and I think that the potential is still there, but he's 25 years old right now. The relationship's just been horrible. Like, I, I'm, struggling to see the positives in this relationship anymore just because of up to the point where they're getting at and seeing quotes like this come out from his agent about him not wanting to report to Utica. Like, I get that he's 25 years old. He probably thinks that he's a pro. He probably thinks he's an NHLer. But, you know, he proved a little bit in that one year that he played here, whatever amount of games that he played. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's improved that much. I don't think he's tore up the KHL to force a spot on the NHL roster right now. Plus, like, sorry, go on, Fantenberg... Yeah, I mean, like, Fantenberg, Jordy Ben, these guys are going to play ahead of him. Like, I would rather have Fantenberg back at, you know, $900,000 next year on a cap instead of Triampkin, who's probably going to want two to $4 million for some reason. Whoa, that is way too much to pay Triampkin. I was talking to Right, Jamie and, like, his, his agent would want that, though. Like, the, his agent would totally want that. He's not coming over here for one point two five. Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. That's just, man, like, that is tough. Like, I was talking to J.D. Burke, and, like, uh, well, and Thomas Drance, I guess, but Drance was kind of talking about how he thinks Triumkin's coming back for about one mil. And J.D. Burke's like, I wouldn't even have him back for 200000 Like, I know J.D. Burke's watched a lot more Triumkin than I have. And, you know, when it comes to prospects and young players and people overseas, I really do trust J.D. Burke's opinion. You can say whatever you want about his Canucks takes, because I know a lot of people do. But, man, <laughs> this guy knows his stuff, and he's put in the work. That was why I found it so funny. When he uh, when he said he wasn't super high on Will Lockwood, and all the all the people in the comments were like, "Oh man, this guy's so negative," and I tweeted out, "I'm like, I bet he hasn't even watched every Michigan game either." And it's like, yes, yeah. he has. Like this guy has done his homework. It's literally his full time job. He works for Elite Prospects. Like he probably knows what he's talking about, man. <laughs> 
He's the editor-in-chief, too. Like, he's, yes. like, the top dog there. I just... Anyways, we'll have him on the show sometime, um, for sure, and we'll have to talk to him about that. But, yeah, that's my take on Nikita Triamkin. I think he should go to the AHL if he doesn't show great in training camp. I'd love for him to just show up and be awesome in training camp. I don't see it in the cards. Like, you know, we no. have to remember, Chris, this guy was an okay defenseman on one of the worst Vancouver Canucks teams we've seen in a long time. He was on the team the year that the Canucks drafted Elias Pettersson, and that was when the Canucks were at their very worst. Those were the darkest of the dark days. Yeah, I mean, like, the idea of Triank is what people love, right? Like, that's that's the thing. Like, if, if you watch him play, and, and I tweeted this out today, like, Niels Huglander is going to make, I said he'd make a bigger impact right now on the roster. I also think that, that kind of works out at training camp as well, like, Huglander's going to come in and impress the hell out of everyone. Like, every single prospect that I've spoke with on this show, uh, and I think I might have even had you on for a couple, but I've asked people, like, what did they think about the prospects camp, like, who stuck out? And everybody said Niels Huglander was just on another level. Like, nobody really says that about Triampkin. Nobody said that at the time about Triampkin. They said that he was big. And, like, you can be big. Believe me, I'm big. I like being big. It's awesome. It helps in a lot of stuff in life, but it's not going to get me a roster spot on the Vancouver Canucks, and I don't think it's going to get Triampkin one either. Yeah, totally. Like, we don't have to look far to see another big defenseman who just disappointed. It was Eric Branson. Like, we don't have to look back that far, man. Well, you don't don't... even have to look that. You could look at Tyler Myers, too. I mean. (laughs) Oh, I guess. Yeah, you could argue Tyler Myers. And on the other half of our, on the other side of the break here, we're going to be talking about the potential free buyout. That's what we'll talk about. But we do have to touch on a little more things first. Like, I want to talk about Jack Rathbone. Okay, so this, again, from Rick Dollywall yesterday. For those asking, a Harvard source says the Jack Rathbone decision to sign with the Canucks will be a while, at least a few weeks. Chris, how much of Jack Rathbone have you watched? I've watched a decent amount of Jack Rathbone. I know, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of clips out there. I've watched maybe, I've probably only watched two or three games, to be honest. I haven't watched a ton of Rathbone. But, uh, I, you know, talking to Jeremy Davis is a guy that I've talked to a lot about uh, with Rathbone, and he's super impressed with him. Obviously, his... Uh, his projections for Rathbone have him as an NHL player. Um, that's the thing. Like the Harvard guys, they like to finish their time at Harvard, right? It's not, uh, that's not news to anyone. Uh, but I think Rathbone is a guy that could be impactful in Utica. I think he'd be a guy that could have the potential to put up Brogan Rafferty numbers. I mean, he's had better, he had a better defenseman career, uh, in the NCAA. And I think that Rafferty, you know, obviously had a pretty good NCAA career, but nothing like Rathbone's. I mean, Rathbone's been really impressive, scores a ton of goals. He would probably come in and, and challenge if Raff, if Rafferty was there right now and Rathbone came in. I would love to see that challenge uh, to see who could be the power play quarterback there in Utica because I think that's what Rathbone can bring. And I, I love his breakout passes. That's probably the best thing I like about his game. It's something that you see uh, in every game that I watched of him, at least. You got to see some great breakout passes, sending in guys on breakaways. So he's got great vision, great passing. Uh, I think he needs to work a little bit on his defensive game. I've heard uh, some scouts talk about that, talk about Cam Robinson's a guy who's a good example. He's talked about Rathbone a lot. He just says he needs to work a little bit on rounding out his defensive game, and that's huge, right? I mean, that's something we talk about with Ole Levy. Like, Levy might have a lot of great uh, potential offensively, but we need to see him, you know, sure things up on the defensive end. I know Corey's going to be writing about that actually pretty soon on the Patreon. But, like, you need to be able to defend. You need to be able to have a winger, an NHL winger, coming down on you on the side. And you need to be able to stop him from scoring a goal. So that's probably the thing that Rathbone needs to work on, I think. Yeah, I love it, man. And, you know, for those that don't know, uh, Nils Hoaglander is not going to be signed for a while because the new IIHF transfer agreement has to happen first. And that's basically what's delaying the Canucks from signing Hoaglander. Like, I think they would have signed him already. You know, the SHL season's canceled. 
um, they're not going to be playing again. And Hoaglander probably wants to have some assurance of where he's going to play next year. Doesn't have that yet, but I think that'll be coming soon. I don't have any word on when the new transfer agreement or whatever is going to be done. So, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see for that. But the other piece of news was from Ben Kuzma yesterday. He wrote, this is his headline, Canucks planning for healthy return of Furland if season is salvaged. Now, basically what this story went into was that Jim Benning was talking about how Michael Furland is in Brandon, Manitoba right now, his hometown, working out, uh, showing zero symptoms. Uh, He's passed the five-stage concussion protocol, again, and Benning sounds pretty adamant that he thinks Furland is going to come back and be where he was before he was hurt. I I don't know too much about that, like... You know, as you know, I I know my stuff when it comes to concussions because of the extensive talks I've had with Dr. Rosenblatt of Advanced Concussion Clinic in Vancouver. Um, You know, I've talked to her extensively about this, and she thinks that, well, when we talked last, she thought that, yeah, concussions are treatable injuries. Like, if this is done correctly, he should be okay. And there was Ferlin talking, using all the right terminology and saying all this stuff. He sounded like a scientist. He sounded like a concussion doctor, not a hockey player. And... I I look at it and I see, okay, this guy wants to get back, but he, admittedly so, is worried about his long-term health. He's got a young family. I get it. So I wonder what's going to happen when he's actually playing at game speed again. Like, you're not really going to know what it's like to throw a check until you throw one. So I wonder when the season comes back, how huge would it be for the Canucks to actually have a healthy 100% Michael Furling, because that's something that wasn't even in the cards a month ago when we were recording this podcast. Like, the season was still going a month ago, and there was, you know, it was agreed upon that Furland was going to return in September. But now he's working out, he's got zero symptoms. If the season comes back now, it could be a, like, it's still a we'll wait and see thing, because obviously you don't know when the season's coming back. You don't know what that's going to look like. Like, there's so many, so many factors here, but... How huge would it be for the Canucks to actually get Furland back for a playoff push? Yeah, it'd be huge. Do I think it's going to happen? No, but like, I don't know. I think that it's kind of weird to hear symptoms and have someone not talking about the coronavirus, actually, which was kind of funny with that tweet. But yeah, I think that Furland, I think still the best way for him to make an impact in the Vancouver Canucks organization is to come back to training camp next year, uh, be healthy, you know, try his hardest. And if he can't give it a go after that, uh, he might have to call it a career because you mentioned it. I mean, those hits coming at you in the NHL, that's a different, a lot different than going out and skating and not having any symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw what happened with Furlan when he tried to come back with the Utica Comets that first time. Uh, he made it through the first period and then he had to leave just because, you know, the pace of play in the AHL was, you know, too much for that brain. And that brain's gone through a lot, obviously, in his NHL career with the concussions, you know, diagnosed and ones that were, you know, missed, I guess, as well, because I know that's a big talk as well in the concussion community. So, yeah, when he's... When he's coming back, if he's able to come back healthy, I think the best bet is to wait till training camp. But if he were to come back healthy right now, I mean, that would make a huge impact. I don't know where he fits in on this lineup, but uh, Michael Furlan would be a hell of a guy to have on your fourth line in the playoffs, that's for sure. Hell, another guy I think would be huge to have back is Josh Levo, a guy, you know, in my final article for Vancouver is Awesome for the time being, uh, I wrote about Josh Levo, and I was watching endless amounts of Levo shifts. And, man, this guy does the thing, does the little things the right way, you know, forgive me for using that phrase, but he does the little things properly. Like he rarely makes the incorrect play. He's good at getting the puck out. 
uh, digs it out free from skates, from sticks, like along the boards. He's he's great. I, I've watched a lot of his shifts, and this is a guy that I think he's not going to be cashing in on a big payday. He's a UFA at the end of this year. Uh, he's not going to be cashing in on a big payday. I think it's somebody that the Canucks should be looking at fielding an offer to because he's a legit middle six forward. Like I think he had 19 points in 36 games. That's a very respectable pace for somebody who's going to yeah. be making like two mil or less. Like that's that's good. You you want to take advantage of that? Yeah, I think that you know Vancouver gave him a shot when you know not a lot of other teams were. I mean, they traded. Is it Michael Carconi that they traded for him? Was that was that was who the trade was, right? It was Carcone straight across for Levo because, yeah. like, I like I like Carcone, uh, by the way, and I know Corey liked Carcone too. You saw a lot of them play in uh, Utica, but yeah, like the Canucks gave JT Miller this opportunity to come in and play in a top six role right when he got here. Like the reason that they, that Toronto got rid of him at the time was kind of Josh because Levo. he wasn't really fitting in. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like he he. He didn't fit in there. He was a fourth line guy. He was a guy that was, you know, gonna miss some games and not play in the NHL. So they gave him an opportunity to come over here and and play with Bo Horvat. That was successful. I mean, still to this day, like even before they went out and signed Toffoli, like we were talking so or traded for Toffoli, like we were talking so much about Levo being such an impactful player for Bo Horvat because he rounds out that line and you know doesn't make Louis Erickson have to be a top six forward anymore. Like. He makes a huge impact on this roster, and I know that uh, that was a good article that you finished off with Vancouver is awesome because, uh, yeah, Josh Levo, I wonder what he signs for. Like, what do you think a contract is for Josh Levo now if they have to talk about it? If, if there's no hockey for the rest of this year, like, what do you think he comes back with the Vancouver Canucks with? Ooh, well, you know what? He's a UFA, but he's not going to be cashing in on a big payday. I think it's going to be less than $2 million. I stand by that. Like, i got to look at his contract right now because I don't know it off the top of my head. Um, but I think he's, he's south of two mil right now. And I don't see him being inclined to ask for a big pay raise. I, I don't know. Like, what do you think? Do you think he's inclined no, he's for make, a pay yeah. raise? I don't think so. No, he's making 1.5. He's 26 years old. So, you know, 27 when his contract hits. Yeah. I don't think he, I don't think he goes over 1.75. I mean, if the cap goes up a little bit, maybe that bumps him up to like 185. I think that's where someone would be, but it's probably just a one-year deal because he's got to prove himself again in the NHL after this. Yeah, exactly. I, again, I, I do think it's going to be either two mil on the dot or less. Like, I, I can't see it being more than that, man. Like, there's no way. They still have to pay Jake Kretan no. and Adam Gaudet, who are both RFAs. Um, but yeah, like Josh Levo, again, he's a guy I think can really do some do something good for your middle six. And I, I think he he's not gonna he's gonna have some teams calling him. I think I think there's gonna be teams calling on Josh Levo. I don't think he's gonna be a player that just kind of goes under the radar on free agency. You know what I mean? I think he's gonna be somebody yeah. that teams are targeting. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. I mean, he's a guy that puts up great analytics numbers, and you know, if if simple writers like us can look at this up and figure out these stats and what they can mean to an NHL team, I'm sure that. Uh, anybody in an NHL team could take notice of what he can make a difference to your Corsi percentage and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And with that, let's just jump to an ad. And then on the other side of the break, we got to talk about this free buyout rumor and who the Canucks should buy out if they are given the opportunity. That'll be on the other side of the break here.
And before we go any further, just want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Parallel 49 Brewing Company Beer. Uh, they are actually making hand sanitizer right now, which is kind of cool, trying to help out some of the folks out there who are dealing with the shortage of some of these cleaning essentials. Uh, and they're also doing a, I guess it's a pickup. So all of the kitchens are closed, but you guys can head into their East Van location at 1950 Triumph Street, and they will be giving out beer from, I guess they're all sanitized up. They're wearing gloves. They got the beer for you. So I know a lot of people are quarantining in, and a lot of people are taking this time to have a bunch of drinks as you're in quarantine and if you're looking to do that head to parallel 49 beer you guys can find them at 1950 triumph street as i mentioned also check them out on social media all you do is search up parallel 49 beer zephyr epic is canada's source for sports cards and trading card games they ship free anywhere in canada on orders over 50 dollars. and now join them for thursday night breaks at 5 p.m pacific time every thursday and be a part of an epic case break experience purchase your spot on zephyrepic.com and watch the live stream on twitch.com TV slash Zephyr Epic. And for all you Canucks Conversation podcast listeners, you can save $5 off your purchase with the code Canucks Convo. Some restrictions apply. Follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z E P H Y R Epic on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All right, and a huge thank you to our sponsors, Zephyr Epic and Parallel 49. Chris, let's jump into some more talk here. There is a rumor out there. I can't remember who started it, but it's getting some traction. A free buyout because the cap is apparently not going to go up due to the coronavirus. So, if the Canucks are given a free buyout of one contract, who do you think that they should be buying out? <laughs> yeah, I think Eklund started this. He's a OG in the <laughs> in the Canucks uh, sphere, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think it's pretty obvious, right? I mean, Louis Erickson's the guy. He's making the most money on the team. He has some years left on his contract with two more years after this one. Um, I, I know that some people have floated Tyler Myers' name out there. I mean, he's making a lot of money, and he's not playing top-pairing defensive minutes right now for the Canucks, but, you know, I guess nobody is. But, um, yeah, I think Louis Erickson would be my guy at this point. Like, uh, is there another option for you at all? No, there's not. I think it's Louis Erickson. And, you know, I've seen a lot of the Myers stuff, so I want to touch on that a bit because I want to say I have my reasons why I – don't think it should be Myers and then I also have a reason why it definitely won't be from a standpoint of there is not a chance in hell this organization buys out a contract that they signed last summer like there is no way that that's going to happen so first of all I don't think it's going to be Myers for that reason second of all I think you have to take in you have to keep in mind the new TV deal when Seattle comes in is going to increase the cap so you have to look at it from that standpoint. The cap's going to go up, and you know, all of a sudden, a six mil deal for Myers doesn't look as bad as maybe it does right now. You know, with the cap not going up, the whole reason that this is even being floated around is because the cap isn't going to go up. Like you know, with with everything going on, like there's a very, it was originally supposed to go up by like four to eight mil. Now it's not going to go up potentially. So teams are going to be in trouble, and the Canucks are one of those teams. So having a free buyout would definitely help. It would help them. Uh, be able to sign Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes to their contracts, which I think are both going to be north of $11 million, uh, when they're signed. I think it's going to yeah. it's going to help the Canucks out a lot. Like having that having that option to buy out Louis Erickson. Like this is a guy that the Canucks have tried everything with. They tried giving him reps with Elias Pettersson. They've tried countless times at their captain's expense to give him shifts with Bo Horvat. Nothing's working. This guy is not going to be anything for the Canucks. There's no chance anymore that, like, if, if Pedersen can't make him great, 
nobody can. Like that that's the way I look at this. And I don't think I, I don't think it's worth saying, Oh, let's give him another shot. Let's see see what he can do this year. Like it's time to cut your losses. I like Oh man, I don't know. And th- there's this whole take out there that yeah, Erickson's gonna walk away from his contract. Yeah, no, he's not. Like, there's not a chance in hell Louis Erickson does that this summer. I look at it and I say the only way the Canucks are gonna get out of this deal this summer is either by trading him and pairing it with some picks or a prospect, or having this free buyout given to them by the league. Yeah, and I don't know, man. And this free buyout would be crazy because like a lot of teams could could definitely use a free bio. I think every team has one contract that they're not really too fond of, right? Obviously, uh, Louis Erickson's one that the Canucks aren't. Um, he's going to be like 36 years old in that final year of that contract. Like, if he's already playing like this, like, I can't imagine two more years of this. But I, I, I'm I, worried that this is, you know, it's just a rumor. Like, if this was coming out from Bob McKenzie or this is something that Elliot Friedman tweeted out, I'd, I'd definitely start to get interested in it. But... Um, I think this is one of those rumors that it's, uh, it's good timing because there's not a lot of hockey going on. There's not a lot of sports going on. Uh, I think this rumor has caught more wind than it probably deserves because I, I, I'm happy to be proven wrong if they have a buyout for somebody. Uh, if each team gets one buyout, I just, I have no history of this happening in the NHL. So I'd be interested to see if this is even a possibility or this is just somebody's idea that they think would be a good idea for the NHL. And it also came from Eklund too. So take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and you but, know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it would be it's a slam dunk home run to get rid of Louis Erickson's contract. That's not news to anyone. Um, but you know, like, there's other contracts out there that you know you could talk about, and obviously Tyler Myers is one that you mentioned. But there's not really like another like Brandon Sutter's only here for one more year uh, at four point seven or sorry four point three seven five. Um, so yeah, there's not really another one that sticks out. You don't want to get rid of JT or Bo or Brock, but. You know, Louis Erickson is, is the slam dunk home run on this one for sure. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we talk about other teams having contracts. A lot of the buyouts that would happen would have come from the same free agency class. You know, I would say Andrew Ladd would be <laughs> in that conversation. Milan Lucci yeah. would be in that conversation. Kyle Pozo, I think, would be in that conversation. A lot of these guys were signed in the 2016 free agency. That was a cursed free agency, Chris. <laughs> yeah, it most definitely was. I know that, you know, Chicago could probably use some. Like, a lot of teams that won Stanley Cups uh, in the early, or I guess, like, mid-2010s. Is that, that's a, that sounds weird to say. But I guess, like, in the 2010s, a lot of these guys that won Stanley Cups, you know, Seabrook's a good example of a guy making a lot of money and not doing anything. You know, there's, there's a lot of players out there that could... I mean, every team would be okay with this. But until I see someone big tweeting about it, I just don't think it's happening for sure. Yeah, you're probably right. Okay, I'll do my... uh sad face and walk away now because i brought it up but yeah i dude i would love to see it happen honestly <laughs> like it's probably not gonna happen yeah. but how awesome would it be if the canucks got out of louis erickson's contract oh it'd be incredible i mean there'd be you know like plan the parade would be what people would be setting up down in vancouver it'd be awesome to see but yeah i mean like it would be huge for the canucks and it would be huge for a lot of other nhl teams but i can't see it happening just because like how would the NHLPA think about this if you're just yeah, allowed to true. terminate a random player's contract that's the way that I look at it and I just you know I'm a union man myself PPWC shout out but uh so like I gotta respect the unions and we wouldn't let that happen to any of our workers <laughs> so I don't think the NHLPA is gonna let that happen uh to Louis Erickson and his six million dollar paychecks that he gets love it love it the union man has spoken Okay, so I guess we're just going to jump to riding the bus now. And on the other side of the break, we are going to talk about Brian Burke 
dishing on what Mike Gillis wanted for Lo- Roberto Luongo when they were when Brian Burke was GM of the Leafs. We'll get into that and a few more topics on the other side of Riding the Bus with Corey Hergott. McEwen into the goal and he scores! What a play by Zach McEwen who draws the Comets to within one. A little shimmy shake. Now it is an old school version of riding the bus, as it is just myself, Chris Faber, and Corey Hergott. Corey, how you doing? I'm doing okay today, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm wondering if your fingers are tired from that first article you put out for the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that was a lightweight one. I think we were only at about <laughs> 20, 2,300 words or somewhere around there. So uh, no, it was good to get back on the horse and get back. Uh, writing and uh feeling motivated again my last couple of weeks haven't been a, a super fun time for me so it was uh it was much appreciated when when you and quads offered to uh keep me writing on your platform so gave me something to do and hopefully uh you know we can get the word out a little bit more on the the puck the, the virus campaign that the comets are putting on with that article yeah absolutely and, and you sat down with joe roberts uh you talked with him obviously got you probably talked with him in the past quite a bit uh, before we get, actually, no, let's get right to the story a little bit because what you talked about was puck the virus, and I know that it, you know a lot that you guys talked about in that article as well was uh, Robert Eshi. For for people who don't know that name, do you think you can just describe what he does for the YouTube comments? Well, Robert Esch, it's Esch. not Eshi, it's Esch, uh, for, former NHL goaltender, uh, fairly well-traveled. He, he played for a few teams in the league at the NHL level. He spent some time in the American League as well. Um, I'm actually hoping to uh, be able to speak with uh, with Robert Esch for our Patreon readers mm-hmm. uh, sometime in the coming weeks because I think after uh, after talking with Joe and getting a, a little bit better handle on exactly what uh, what Robert Esch has meant to the Utica Comets, I think he's a guy that I, I really want to sit down and chat with. He's super fascinating with, uh, with what he's done. I mean, he was... Uh, he didn't have a ton of time as an NHL starter. Uh, you know, he, he spent a lot of years as a backup at the NHL level, but uh, he's a guy that really um, has a has his community uh, firmly planted in his heart. He's a guy that really wants to rebuild Utica and bring it back into uh, a place where people want to be. And uh, he, uh, many, many years ago when he was playing with the Phoenix Coyotes back then, he um, met Pat Conacher, who now works with the Canucks and uh, told Pat Conacher at that time that he was going to bring the AHL back to Utica and and Conacher kind of laughed at him and uh, you know 
as Joe said, fast forward years later, uh, Robert Esch has brought the Utica Comets, you know, brought AHL hockey back to Utica, and Pat Conacher uh, played a big part in the first uh, bunch of years of this team being in Utica as their, uh, I believe he was their director of hockey operations there. He did a lot of work in identifying players that the team could sign to AHL deals, uh, and now he's working in a amateur scouting role with the Canucks, so... Robert Ash has, has done a ton to bring hockey uh, to Utica, to bring the AHL to Utica. He is a very passionate uh, person when it comes to, you know, the things that he wants to accomplish in his life. And uh, one of those things is, um, you know, having a strong team and a strong uh, presence in the Utica market there. And uh, he's done that with the Comets and he's brought in the Utica City uh, FC uh, football, or sorry, soccer team as well yeah. that play at the at the Adirondack, Adirondack Bank Center. So uh, he, he's doing a lot for that community. And uh, I think he's a, a really fascinating guy. He spent a few years in the, in the KHL as well. And I've heard some pretty interesting stories uh, <laughs> from his time over there. So yeah, fingers crossed I'll be able to uh, get access to speak with him here in the in the sometime in the coming weeks well I'd be very excited for that to come to the patreon for sure and uh, you know Corey I, I wonder because like you talk about Robert bringing so much to the city of Utica but uh, we've talked about this in the past but I'd, I'd love to hear you expand on it a little bit more like what do you think the city of Utica brought back to him because it seems like their fan base is just ridiculous in Utica they seem to really love their sports over there it seems like too and you talk about the multiple sports that they have in Utica now yeah, and and that's just it. Uh, what the word, the phrasing that Joe used uh, quite a few times in our interview is that Ash uh, uh, sees sports entertainment as a way to uh, rejuvenate and rebuild um, what uh, Joe described as kind of a rust belt city in Utica, uh, in New York. There, so um, you know he's uh, he's managed to have the Adirondack Bank Center. Um, renovated and uh they've built the the 72 tavern on there which uh is kind of like uh their version of the the canucks sports bar at rogers arena um you know he's brought in utica city fc he's got the comets there uh it's it's like he's a guy who really wants to uh to uplift his community and he's do him and along with uh some other prominent people in the area are are you know, trying to make that happen, and it sounds like he's doing a really good job of it. I think the fan base uh, in Utica, we, we've talked to death uh, in in our market about how much we'd like to see a team closer to Vancouver so, you know, we could drive down the road and watch the prospects play, but, uh, you know, while they while while that isn't the case, we know that our, our prospects are in good hands in Utica with uh, an organization that is doing everything in their power to, to surround those players and prospects with uh, the very best that they can, whether that's with, uh, you know, solid veteran players who can help uh, help develop those young guys or whether it's providing them with uh, people like Ashwin Patel on the mental health side of things or if, if it's, uh, you know, providing them with a very strong community backing them and showing up game after game. And, and the reason behind that is obviously uh, has a lot to do with the work that Esh and his crew have put in to actually, uh, you know, make the comments, the comments, uh, you know, a destination, a thing that you want to get out and see. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the guy that you got all these quotes from Joe Roberts, 
maybe maybe just let people know about him because I've been able to hear his play-by-play all year long. I think he's an incredible play-by-play guy. I think he brings a lot to the game. I learned so much just listening to a broadcast of him. Uh, what was it like kind of chit-chatting with him off uh, off the script a little bit? Well, I, I've, uh, I've mentioned it lots of times on Twitter, but uh, Joe Roberts is an absolutely uh, entertaining uh, person. He's got a fantastic sense of humor. Uh, at least I think so. Uh, he, he's a, a punny kind of guy and, uh, <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of in my wheelhouse as well. Uh, I really enjoy listening to him call games. He, he brings some, some good information to the games. He keeps it entertaining. Uh, he uses some phrasing that, uh, that I quite enjoy. I don't hear a lot of people uh, talking about how a player ladles a puck into the corner. Uh, that's that's one of his that uh, jumps out at me that uh, that I, I like to hear. It kind of cracks me up every time I hear it. Um, but he's a really good down to earth uh, person as well. Like he's a genuinely good dude. Uh, Joe has helped me a ton in uh, you know helping me get access to uh, to the players that I need to speak with. Um, he's helped me a ton in just. Uh, filling me in on a few things with the team that I maybe uh, don't know the history of and that sort of a thing. He's he's just a very, very cool dude, and uh, I love hearing him call a game. I, I really enjoyed when Andy Zilch called the games for the team in my first season, but uh, uh, Joe's brought it up another level for me. It's uh, just another layer of entertainment when he's calling the games. He's yeah. just a great guy. Yeah, absolutely. I get a real Rob Fay vibe from him. Just like the way that he's able to do a one-man broadcast and do it that well while like having a conversation with himself. I think he does an incredible job. Um, but I, I wanted to ask about a couple players as well because um, I saw that Rick Dollywall was tweeting about it earlier this morning. Um, he was mentioning that Reed Boucher wants to stay in North America. He's gotten some calls from, from overseas, uh, but he wants to stay in North America. I'm wondering, Corey, what do you think the odds are of Reed Boucher staying in Utica? Well, at the moment, he is a restricted free agent, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how this goes forward. Will the Canucks give him a qualifying offer? Uh, Will he accept a qualifying offer? Um, You know, maybe it's time if they want to keep Reed Boucher around. um, They either give him an actual shot at the NHL level, which I honestly, I don't see that happening uh, in Vancouver. Uh, at this point anymore or maybe they just give him a a one-way contract that pays him all the money whether he's in the nhl or the american league he got paid well last year i think he made around 450k at the american league level which is a pretty which is a pretty good salary but uh i'd imagine uh if they you know he might be a little bit more interested in sticking around you know if he was making 700k or 750k at the american league level the, the interesting thing to see will be if, if they cut him loose and let him, you know, try to find work elsewhere is if another team, you know, actually signs him on. Um, I'll say it right now, if he does move on from this organization and ends up in the North Division <laughs> and the Comets have to play him uh, against Syracuse or Binghamton or the Marlies, like that, the idea of that, terrifies me it's bad enough when we have to see you know darren archibald come back to town uh you know michael carconi come back to town joe labate like it's every time a a former comet plays the comets they seem to pick up at least a point if not multiple points in that game 
and Reed Boucher is a multiple point a game player <laughs> as it is. Yikes. So I the idea of him, you know, rolling into Utica, you know, twelve times a year with the Syracuse crunch and uh, putting up, you know, three or four or five points in in each of those games, that's not a pleasant feeling for me. So I hope that he sticks around. I hope. You know, if he's not playing for the Comets, I hope he's playing far away from the Comets. <laughs> yeah. uh, next season, he's a player that I have all the time in the world for. Um, I had somebody ask me on Twitter, you know, if if I think he'd actually be able to play for another NHL team. My response was, I, I've seen players in the NHL collecting an NHL paycheck who I don't feel are as good at playing the game of hockey as Reed Boucher is. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, there's going to be always be the perception that he's maybe a little bit small, that he's maybe a little bit slower than he uh, has to be to be an NHL player. Um, you know, obviously the pace of the game at the American League level and the, and the NHL level are different, but I don't see Reed Boucher having any trouble keeping up to the game at the American League level. Uh, I don't see any issues with his defensive play at the American League level. Uh, he's a like a first uh, first one out on the ice kind of a penalty killer for the Comets. Yeah, it's above average, he, I think, for sure. He is, he yeah. is, and he he's a, a threat to score when he's shorthanded. He's an absolute weapon on the power play, uh, and he can play a physical game. I don't expect him to be an NHL. You know, a guy at the NHL level who's running around blowing guys up. But Reed Boucher doesn't take crap from anybody out on the ice. Yeah. Uh, he gives as good as he as he takes. Uh, he often seeks physical play. And uh, you can tell Reed Boucher's going to have a game if he uh, he goes out in, in his first couple of shifts and, and uh, you know, gets dirty in the corner, giving a guy an elbow in the chops, and then gets a one-timer away. You know it's going to be a game for Boucher and... and uh, I, I personally, I want to, I want to continue watching him play until he's done playing. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I'm worried about you because you know a lot of Canucks fans and you know Toronto Maple Leafs fans uh, aren't really, you know, it's a little bit of a rivalry between those two. But maybe they don't understand what it's been like watching these guys go to the Marlies and uh, and play against these comments. You mentioned Archibald and Carcone are a couple examples. I mean, I just that's my worst nightmare for you, Corey, is seeing Reed Boucher in a Marlies uniform. Yeah, that would uh, the Marlies would be one thing. I think I'd, I think it'd be a, a more bitter of a pill if he ended up in Syracuse. That's the the Comets' chief rival. Yeah. Um, you know, the Marlies. You know, I as a as a guy that grew up in Ontario, I, I don't. I, I'm not going to say I have a spot soft spot for the Marlies or for the Leafs, uh, but I don't have a hard time seeing them being successful either right i i don't i don't mind seeing those teams succeed um not at the expense of the comets obviously <laughs> but uh i think it'd be a lot tougher for me to see reed boucher show up in in syracuse than toronto yeah i think uh you know when the the tsn and sportsnet puts out a quote from one of their guests that's the one i'm going to use it's going to be Corey hergott saying i'm okay with toronto and the marley's having some success that'll be the, the short <laughs> quote i'll take out of this <laughs> But, uh, Corey, the final thing I wanted to wrap up with, you've been sending me a ton of memes. Did Carol Baskins kill her husband? Uh, I don't know, man. I think it's there's a strong possibility there. I don't think they delved into that quite that side of the story quite as deeply as they could have. <laughs> yeah, um, no. yeah, that that, uh, that Tiger King show was as bizarre as it gets. If you haven't seen it, uh, give it a try. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. Uh, I've seen people say they couldn't get through the first three minutes, and I've seen, I've seen people say they had to watch it front to back because uh, 
you know, it's just one bizarre turn after the next. And that's kind of what it was for me. I pretty much binged that one front to back. Uh, it came up at a good time. I, I took a, my two weeks off of writing and uh, binge, <laughs> binged that show. And uh, that definitely, um, it's a bizarre, bizarre show. I and mean, there's so many weird uh, storylines that come out of that one for sure. Yeah, I think a lot of people's minds are going numb at this time during the quarantine. And I think it was the perfect time to uh, drop a mind-numbing documentary like that. But so entertaining. And like you mentioned, I don't think I've ever seen a documentary with that many you know twists and turns on every single... You know, like normally like a documentary ends in the episode, there's normally a big twist at the end of each part, whether it's a five part or a ten part. There's always like one twist, but it felt like the whole episode was just like twists and turns about something. It was awesome. Oh, I was, the whole time, I was like, oh, I can't believe, like, what's going to happen next? Like, they can't cut, something more crazy can't happen. And then, (laughs) you know, a zoo worker, the episode ends with a zoo worker getting their arm ripped off. And the the next episode ends with, uh, Carol's husband is under the septic tank or whatever, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, then like you, you pull so... up the next episode and it's like, oh, and now Joe Exotic's running for president. Like, why not? Right? Yeah, like, like it's just, it's just so the perfect turn. Yeah, but if you guys so haven't seen bizarre. it on Netflix, I've, I've obviously, I've talked about it with Quads a little bit. I feel like I'm podcasting with the only guy who hasn't seen Tiger King right now. Yeah, I was pretty shocked when he said he hasn't seen it, but then he told me he doesn't have Netflix, so I guess that makes sense, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's got to figure out a way to watch it. I think uh, I think he'd probably get a pretty good kick out of that as well. It's it's just uh, it's one of those stories that you can't really make up, right? It's yeah. it's un- it's it's almost too unbelievable to be true, but it's it's so unbelievable that it can't be fake. If that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, I, okay, there's one more thing I want to touch on before we let you go, Corey. We we talked about it on the podcast a little bit, so I kind of wanted to get your take on it. Uh, the so Rick Dollywall reporting this morning uh, that Nikita Triankin's agent Todd Diamond. Uh, this is the quote that he said: "If Triankin can go to Utica, Diamond says makes no sense at all. I don't see that script happening. Uh, what do you think when you see that come out, Corey? Because we had our opinions on this already. I think that if a player isn't willing to put in the work that's asked of him from the team, then it's time for that player to move on. We've yep. seen it with Petrus Palmu. We've seen it with uh, with Jonathan Dolan." Um, if a player thinks that they're bigger than the team, uh, you know, Trampkin's a big dude. He's a giant, but he's not bigger than the organization. Uh, he hasn't done anything at the NHL level, in my opinion, that says uh, he's a shoe-in to take a, a roster spot away from a guy like a Brogan Rafferty. Uh, yeah. Give Brogan Rafferty a look. Uh, if Ole Olevi can get through a summer of training and show up to camp healthy and looks good, I'd rather see him get a look than, uh, than Nikita Trampkin. Uh, I think he'd be a useful player in a third-pairing role. Uh, I'm not sure that I see him being a whole lot more than that at the NHL level. Uh, if he's going to sign a, a deal that pays him, like uh, you know, under a million dollars to be a, a budget-friendly, uh, you know, defenseman for this team, then maybe I'd uh, I'd give him a look. But I have a feeling that uh, if he's not willing to go to Utica, he probably thinks he's a two or three million dollar a year defenseman at the NHL level as well. And if that's the case, uh, you know, see ya. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I said. I said, I don't think he's coming back here for under two million dollars. You know, that's what I said. And that's kind of what you just mentioned. If he's not willing to go to Utica, I don't think he's coming back here. He's making more money in the KHL playing over there. So maybe he's just happier over there. He gets the big ice to play with. Um, you know, the, the thing that we said, though, like, if he does go to Utica, that is such, and we've talked about this, you know, months ago when these rumors came up earlier, but 
Like, that's the track for him to make Canucks fans fall even more in love with him. Like, if he goes to Utica and produces, I think he would be a guy that could really help that Utica Comets team. That top four would sure up a little bit with him, depending on, you know, how it shakes out next year. I wonder where Triamkin would fit. But, man, that's that's the track for people to fall even more in love with Triamkin, right? Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, I, I'm a, kind of a two schools of thought, of thought with him. Uh, if he's willing to come to Vancouver on a show-me deal, uh, you know, a deal that pays him a, a, a low wage, maybe even a two-way deal where he goes to the farm if he has to. If he listen, if you if you don't show up to camp and you don't make the team, I don't think it's uh, up to the player to decide. No, I'm not going to Utica. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You do what the team tells you to do. If you uh, if if you if you're not one of the the best six or seven defensemen that come out of camp, you don't have a you don't have a spot on the team, that's, that's, in my sports, opinion. Man. That's simple. That's sports. the way it works. Yeah. And it, and if you're the kind of player that needs to have that assurance that I'm not going to go to Utica, I'm either going to make the NHL team or I'm going to go back to wherever I come from. I don't want that player around. True that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you look at you, if you look at a player, and I know everybody's going to roll their eyes because I use him as an example all the time. Look at a player like Zach McEwen who puts yeah. his head down and does the work. The team asks him to do something, he does it. The team asks him to improve an area of his game, he does it. The team says you're going to Utica, well, guess what? He's going to Utica. He puts in the work and he puts his head down and, and improves his game and, and look at where he is now. He's the poster child for getting it done. Yeah. And uh, if, if Nikita Trampkin wants to be an NHL hockey player, I think he's going to have to prove that he can be an NHL hockey player, and that might mean spending a month or two at the American League level and then, uh, you know, busting his way through the door and making it impossible for the team to send him down after that. I mean, that's just the way it should work for a guy in his position. Yeah, and I think, you know, we I didn't really bring it up when me and Quads were talking about it, but I mean, like, what gives him more of a right to the NHL than Sven Berchi or Nikolai Goldobin or Reed Boucher, right? Like, there's there's no right for him to be in the... Or even Brogan Rafferty, right? Like, he's earned his way to the NHL better than... You know, they're similar age. Brogan Rafferty's, what, 24? Triumphant's 25? Like, Rafferty's proven more that he should be an NHL player next year. So, yeah, we won't dive into it too much. We're over 20 minutes now, but this is something that we can... Uh, we can see the story develop over the next little week, and we'll get into more of this probably next week with you, Corey. Well, I'll just throw this out there, too, just as a, a, a final uh, parting shot across the bow to Trampkin. <laughs> uh, Luke Shen came in and played a, a solid game for the for the Canucks at the end of last season. He barely played uh, NHL games this year, and I would have Luke Shen on my team uh, at the NHL level, I think, ahead of uh, Nikita Trampkin. I think yeah. they bring a similar game. Uh, that's just kind of my my thought on the matter. Uh, they've all the Canucks also have a guy named Ashton Sautner, who's an unrestricted free agent who's spent uh, the last five six years in the system. Yeah. He's twenty. He's twenty six years old, and I, I'd imagine his game at the NHL level would be a similar to, similar game to what uh, Nikita Tramkin can bring. Tramkin's big, but we didn't see him, you know, throwing his weight around all that much when he was at the NHL uh, level with the Canucks last time around. So yeah. You know, he doesn't play to his strengths maybe as well as he could. No, I mean, he's the idea of Trank is the best part, right? That's that's kind of how we wrapped up the conversation. That's how we'll wrap it up here, too. Uh, Corey, I guess what you said, you're working on some stuff in the future. I'm working on my Goldobin piece for the Patreon. Do you have any ideas cooking right now or just uh, waiting on something to pop up? 
Well, I'm going to be doing a bit of a breakdown here over the next couple of days. I'm going to start going through my uh, notes from this season and kind of do a bit of a breakdown of how the, uh, you know, the prospects finished. I won't delve too deep into the guys that are more AHL level guys, but uh, Nicole Linz, the Brogan Rafferty's, Jonah Gadjevic, uh, Lucas Yashik, all those guys. I'll go through and kind of break down how their seasons went. Um, like I said, I'd like to speak with Robert Ash if I can make that happen. Uh, I think that would be a great, uh, a great interview to dig into. Yeah. That might even end up being a multiple, multiple part uh, interview with a guy like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm also going to start looking ahead to next year. Like I said, uh, the, the Comets have a handful of guys who are going to be uh, free agents at the end of this season. The team could look a lot different next year. So we'll, we'll start digging into that side of things as well. Excellent. Well, we're excited. And, uh, yeah, you guys can all find that on the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Canucks Convo. It's also the – should be the pinned tweet on the Canucks Convo Twitter account. So we're excited to have you on the crew uh, with us, Corey, and we're excited to get some content out to the people coming soon. Yeah, looking forward to it, Chris. Awesome. Well, thanks for doing another Ride in the Bus this week. And, uh, yeah, we'll chat again next week. Thanks, Corey. Thanks again. And a huge thank you to Corey Hergott for joining us for Ride in the Bus. Well, I guess just joining Chris because, you know, because we're doing this remotely – Chris just did it himself with riding the bus. Uh, but yeah, let's just jump into this here. It's time to close out the show, but we've got a couple more things to talk about. The first one being this tweet from former Canucks GM and former Leafs GM, Brian Burke. He said he did a little Q&A on Twitter. It was pretty funny. Um, he asked people to like tweet him questions, and he was answering them in detail. And it was so funny. Um, James Duthie from TSN tweets, uh, Ask Burke. Uh, why did you give me one-word answers, but you're giving long paragraph answers to a bunch of strangers? <laughs> and Burke replies and goes, because. Nice. That's so awesome. Oh, it was awesome, man. I love it. I loved hearing that. Anyways, uh, this tweet that we're talking about here. There's actually a couple Burke tweets we got to talk about. But the first one, we were all in hard on Luongo around the time when I got fired. The price would have come down to a lot, but we were in the mix. They asked for Gardner, Kadri, and two firsts. Way too steep, even for... And then he tags Luongo at Strombone 1. So, Chris, <laughs> what do you think of that package that Mike Gillis tried to put together to ship out Luongo? And presumably, this happened in 2012, so those two first picks would have been... Uh, were the ones that the Leafs used to select Gauthier and Mitch Marner. Interesting. Yeah, I mean... You know, was Gillis trying to get ready for the rebuild? Did he know that they didn't have enough after 2011? I don't know. It would have been, uh, definitely was a lot to ask for. And, you know, those type of players bring in a good value. And obviously, Roberto Luongo is worth a lot of the time. And, yeah, it's uh, it would have been crazy to see happen. It's cool that Brian Burke's coming out and doing this on Twitter. I mean, he's having some fun with some people. And, you know, this, is, this isn't this is the Brian Burke that I would have expected uh, after he retired from the NHL and moved into this. Uh, media realm, I guess. But the fact that he's going out and doing this, I thought that was a lot of fun. Like, he was he was answering questions for a few hours, it seemed like, on Twitter. Yeah, he was. And he, he talked about more Canucks stuff, which is awesome. I'm just trying to pull it up right now. But it was so cool to see him doing this because, you know, he's somebody that's a pretty, you know, like, well, I wouldn't say quiet, but he's he doesn't like talking a lot. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just the personality of Brian Burke is so hard to describe. And... <laughs> I just loved hearing what he had to say because he got into everything. Like, hold on, let's see what he said. I'm just just looking here. Yeah, so here is the James Duthie one, which is awesome. Uh, he talked about women's hockey, which was awesome. Uh, and then he talked about 
One thing you would want the NHL to change, Burke says, the draft lottery, I think, which is something Chris and I can definitely get behind. Oh, hell yeah. I think fewer teams should have the ability to win the lottery. Once you've picked top five once, you aren't in the lottery again for three years. Man, that sounds awesome to me. Yeah, that sounds good. Like five years ago, that would have been an awesome rule to have. <laughs> now it's like, oh, whatever. But I mean, yeah, that would have been huge if they could have done something like that because the Canucks would have been in a situation where, you know, teams that are in like 13th in the draft lottery aren't jumping them, which has just been so annoying uh, for Canucks fans over oh, the past couple of years. Like seeing the Blackhawks move up to take Kirby Dock. And, you know, obviously they've had a good, they picked some really good players in their first round the past couple of years. Uh, but it would have been interesting to see if they would have. You know, if they're picking second, did they still take Pedersen at the time? Like, that would have been crazy to see happen. Oh, I think they would have, man. I think like, so, too, yeah. Their draft board, they had him up there. Like, I think so. Maybe Kale McCarr, which, again, you can't really complain about. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, like, there wasn't a lot of bad picks that the Canucks could have made that year, especially with second overall. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, know who, you know who I'd like to see? Like, I wonder, because... You know, the Canucks had Hughes third on their draft board, if I'm not mistaken. So the fact that Zadina was in most draft rankings listed as third, the Montreal Canadiens went another way. They took Kokanyemi. Like, dude, Hughes probably should have gone third in that draft if you look at it. Like, Barrett Hayton went fifth, I think it was. Yeah. And then Zadina eventually went sixth, and then Hughes at seventh. But man, like, if I look at a redraft, like, I'd say that Hughes should go in that, maybe even the top spot. Like, I don't know, man. Like, there's the no-brainers with Darlene and Svechnikov for sure. But, man, I think I think there's a case to be made for Hughes being, for sure, third. But I think there's a case to be made for Hughes being ahead of, you know, both Darlene and Svechnikov. I know I sound like a huge homer right now, but... I think there's a case to be made for it from what we've seen from Hughes this year. Yeah, it's funny because like you, the redrafts, you normally do it like 10 years later or five years later, but you know, only a couple of years after this, and you're already talking about the impact that some of these young players are making that, you know, Quinn Hughes is making such a huge impact on the Vancouver Canucks and, you know, making them a playoff team has been so incredible to watch his first year. Spechikov, obviously another great player. Rasmus Dallin, another great player as well. But yeah, I think that the argument is, you know, it's definitely a plausible argument. You're not going to, Nobody in Vancouver is going to say you're crazy for saying that Hughes is the best player in that draft. Maybe maybe some other people will, but I don't think anyone in Vancouver is going to disagree with you. Well, I'll stand by this. Like, for As far as who's had a bigger impact out of those three players on their team, it's been Hughes, for sure. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's any questioning that. I don't know. Like, I, I don't think that's a hot take, but I think so far Hughes has been the best out of those three players. Time will tell. I think Darlene's going to be an excellent defenseman for many, many years. Yeah. I also think Hughes is. So time will tell, but right now, I don't think it's a hot take to say that Quinn Hughes has been the best of the three. No, nope, I don't think so. I mean, Svechikov makes a huge difference. He's, I mean, we've seen him play against Vancouver Canucks, and I don't know. I haven't watched a ton of Carolina games, but seeing the way he plays against Vancouver Canucks, he makes a huge impact on a game. So I'll give him some props. Obviously, Rasmus Dallin's a great player as well. He's going to be one of the best defensemen in the league for the next little bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, there's, there was a, it was a lot of fun stuff. And Berkey kept a lot of people excited and got people back engaged with hockey because that's that's the toughest thing right now is pe- keeping people engaged. We're seeing a lot of these sites shut down. Like, sucks for, for you guys and, and Daniel Wagner in that situation there. It's, it's just so bad to see. But, you know, the fact that somebody like Berkey's coming out and trying to give a little bit of hockey content. We're in here podcasting. I'm on... I'm in my makeshift desk uh, on Vancouver Island podcasting with you. Like, it's cool that people are still putting out this content, man. I think people need this. 
Exactly. And Madden, like, I'm just looking back at that 2018 draft. Like, dude, freaking Ottawa could have had Hughes and Thomas Shabbat. Not in the same draft, but they could have had both players. That's nuts. <laughs> right now on their defense. Like, man, that is tough to swallow. And same with Montreal. Like, Montreal could have Quinn Hughes right now. Like, that is that is tough to swallow, man. All right, you're like, going quarantine not... crazy quads. You're going, stop telling people Hughes on Montreal. That's not good. That's not good Canucks conversation right there, bud. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. But, man, like, I just, I, I mean, the Canucks are so lucky that they got him at seventh. Yeah. And that was a home run, for sure. I don't think I've celebrated uh, yeah. so big, like, when, uh, I guess when, when Barrett Hayton went at five, like, when I was watching the draft at home, actually with my roommate, at the time, and then he was, uh, I'm actually at his place right now in Nanaimo, but we were watching it, and, uh, and like, the biggest celebration was when they took Hayton, because we're like, holy cow, we're going to get Phil Zadina, like, 100%, Detroit's taking Quinn Hughes, and then when they took Zadina, and, like, Quinn Hughes was, like, the only name sticking out compared to everyone else, like, I was going nuts when that happened, that was so much fun watching that draft. Me too, I was on my couch, and my brother was upstairs, and my mom was in the kitchen, and I just started going, no, no way, we got Quinn Hughes, we got Quinn Hughes, and I'm just like screaming about how we just got Quinn Hughes, and that was the day that I first realized that I was going to be writing many, many, many articles about this young player, and <laughs> yeah. as you know, that was the, really, that was the start of it all, because I, I wasn't writing at the time when he was drafted, I was just a fan, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, once this all started... How many articles have I written about the young man? Like, oh, it's God. unbelievable how much content this guy has given me. Yeah, you're going to have a f- list of 43 David Quadrelli articles about Quinn Hughes pretty soon. Oh, man. Well, I've already done the 40... Th- I did 43 reasons Hughes should be at the All-Star game, which was <laughs> awesome. That was so much fun to do. Um, but yeah, man, like, the the final Burke tweet I want to get into is what he said. Um, he was like, what, what trade... Uh, was one that was wrongfully criticized or something along those lines. And he said, surprisingly, the Sedins. That was the first one that he said. Um, I think it was from Stefan Roger. Yeah, the guy from Canucks Army. Yeah, Stefan Roger. Yeah, 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 exactly. Very French Um, man, by the way. Stefan is a very French man. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was pretty awesome that he, uh, he got his question answered. But yeah, it was the Sedins. So I found that kind of interesting too. And that was another one of Burke's answers. Um, and finally, the last Brian Burke tweet I want to touch on. Uh, they were like, oh, did you ruffle any feathers? Again, I'm not reading these off because I can't find them for some reason. But, uh, it was like, did you ruffle any feathers when you went to Sportsnet and tried to change the dress code and not wear, like, you know how he does the tie, like, untied? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's like, He's like, no, I didn't want to because I didn't think I was inclined on my first day on the job to be, uh, um, to be asking for, uh, changes in my, in my wardrobe of the whole company. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. So that's why Brian Burke wears the tie most of the time when he's on Sportsnet. Well, he's, he's excellent in that job and I hope he keeps doing it, man. Cause they know it's like Burke, he's a great guy, especially the Vancouver connection. Like that's gets a lot of Canucks fans excited, obviously when he does his, I don't even know what's his thing at the intermission called with Berkey. But uh, to the point, to with the Brian point. Burke and David Amber. Thank you, Quads. That's why you're on this podcast. Help me fill in things I don't freaking remember. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like he brings a lot to that broadcast, man. I think that you know, though I think TSN overpowers Sportsnet a ton in its hockey coverage. Uh, I think having that panel, including Berkey and including BXN and including you know Elliot Friedman, that makes up for a hell of a crew right there for Saturday nights, and that's why you know Hockey Night Canada is such a big deal because they're able to bring in these kind of stars. 
And, uh, yeah, that's, it's funny because, like, TSN, I feel like, just dominates everything else, right? Like, they have such huge names, like Bob McKenzie, Derek Jagger, Pierre LeBron, Ray Ferraro. Like, these names are the biggest names in hockey. But the fact that Sportsnet's able to hold their own with, you know, guys like Brian Burke and Elliot Friedman, I think that's a pretty impressive move by them. Yeah, exactly. I, I love it, man. Okay, sorry. I was scrolling through the Burke tweets. I found one final one. It's the Canucks one. Okay. Uh, he was asked, favorite Todd Bertuzzi story? He said, leaving Minnesota after Game 5, going home for Game 6, and a fan yelled at Todd, see you at Game 7, and Todd said, no you won't, and the fan (laughs) held up a sign in Game 7 saying, welcome to Game 7, that was on the front page of the newspaper when they beat us. Oh no, that's a tough look, that's a tough one. Oh man, that I love how that's his favorite Todd Bertuzzi story too. Like that's awesome. I'll tell you what, Berkey's still a little shit. <laughs> down down low, he's definitely still a little shit. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's nobody's disputing that. Nobody's disputing that on this podcast. <laughs> no. So quads, what's been like aside from hockey? We covered everything, but what else you've been keeping busy with, man? Oh man, well you know obviously we're busy with the Patreon and everything and the writing, and I know. You and I are talking about ramping up the content quite a bit this week. Yep. Uh, we'll have to announce that once we get our bearings in order. But, uh, you know, we are going to be some busy, busy boys this next week if everything goes according to plan. Um, it's going to be it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's going to be fun. But uh, in terms of this last week, I've been doing some reading. Uh, Audible has a one-month free trial. Okay. And uh, it comes with two free audiobooks. So I've been listening to The Institute by Stephen King. Um, and you know, I'm just doing that while I like do housework, you know, yesterday it was sunny. So I was just sitting on my patio, just like absolutely chilling with my eyes closed, reading a book without reading it. Uh, (laughs) it was, it was pretty awesome for sure. And, uh, yeah, I've been working out a ton, which I'm sure you, you can tell by all the Snapchats I send you. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's basically all I've been doing is just, uh, yeah, working out. Uh, eating a lot better, thankfully, because I've now had time. And, you know, with the Invisalign, you always joke joke around that I have to pop out my teeth like they're dentures. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yes, it's it's been good. Like, my teeth are getting straight. Everything's going well. I'm growing out my hair. As I told you, I was like, I'm, I'm going I'm going for the flow, man. Like, I'm going to I'm going to get some long hair. And then my basically what I'm saying is if I end up like, OK, so there was a plan like a rough plan in place for me to go on the weekends to the, uh, to the Canucks uh, locker room for morning skates and stuff on weekend games. Yeah. Uh, there was a rough plan in place for that. Obviously that's not happening now. Uh, I might happen next season and maybe I'll go to the intro media day. Like we'll see. I'm, you know, I got, I got invited to the zoom meeting, so we'll see what else I get invited to. But, um, if I'm, I'm thinking if I have to go to Rogers arena for the intro media day or for anything else, I'll cut my hair because I already look young, but I think long hair like that'll that that probably just makes people take me less serious than they would already. So I should probably get a more professional haircut if I'm going to be at the at the rink um like once a week or whatever. So I'm thinking that's what that's what'll be the deciding factor and if I get a haircut, that'll be it. But for now, I'm growing it out, baby. I thought you were going to say that you're just going to like show up to Canucks you know, media availability next year and just be, like, jacked up with, like, long-ass hair. You come in looking like Thor or something. Like, that's what I thought you were getting into in this quarantine. But I guess you're going to cut it off, so you want to look professional. But I think, you know, if you do get shredded during this quarantine and you do get long hair, maybe that's a look you got to go for in the future, Quads. 
Well, maybe I should. Like, dude, I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I've gained like 15 pounds in the last like two or three months. Like, that's pretty good, and I'm, I'm still putting on a ton of weight, and I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy. So we'll see what I look like by the end of this four months. But so far, so good. Well, if it means anything, I've probably gained 10 to 15 pounds as well, so you're, it's not that impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone's in the same boat with the 10 to 15. Maybe you're putting on muscle, but uh, uh, the 10 to 15, that's, those aren't big numbers, man. Those are rookie numbers uh, for sure. There's a lot of people up there talking about the quarantine 15, but like, wait till we're like two months in. Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> You've definitely been eating a lot healthier up, than me. But I've been drinking White Claws and muscle. It's been coming uh, out in muscle. Okay, well that's good. I've been I've been on the uh, the white claws aren't very heavy on the uh, on the alk on the uh, calories, so that's good. When I'm not drinking parallel, I'm drinking a lot of those uh, lately because they're delicious. Uh, the claws are delicious for sure. No laws when you're on the claws. No laws. Yeah, I got. I keep uh, I keep saying that so much. The guy that I'm quarantined with is probably not happy with me saying no laws uh, every 15 seconds after we've had about six of them. That is awesome. Yeah, uh, that snap you showed me yesterday where you were mixing the Gatorade. Oh my gosh, I was like, wow, there really is no laws. Look at this guy go. That like blew up in front of me, so I poured out a white claw into a glass and I tried mixing up Gatorade mix into it. Because I'm like, I've had a few claws at this point and a couple parallel beers for sure too. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I mix it up and I didn't really think that it was just going to like bubble over like crazy. So the, the less, like the remainder of the video didn't see, but like a little bit was spilt. But I'd like dive my face into the ca- like into the cup uh, well, to try I and saw, keep it from I saw foaming. you quickly move the camera, and I was like, I te- I snapped you back. I was like, did that spill? Because like <laughs> I saw it like rising, and then you're just like shit, and then the camera ends. Yeah, no, it uh, it didn't spill a lot. I got a lot of it into my mouth, and then uh, yeah, if you ever had like foamed up, uh, whatever the foam coming off of a Gatorade mixed with White Claw, that's that's not a good taste. That made me cough pretty hard after, but. Uh, yeah, it wasn't that good for people that are, you know, for the one other person that's maybe thinking about mixing Gatorade mix with the White Claw, don't do it. The White Claws are, are fine on their own. They're not as good as Parallel 49 beer, of course, but uh, they are pretty solid. They're getting me through this quarantine a little bit. I've been on the island relaxing. I haven't been, you know, paying as much attention to hockey and everything. And on Twitter, I know that my DMs, sorry, people, I haven't been answering DMs and stuff. I'm just taking some time off, uh, but it's nice to be over here on the island, been able to get out and do some fishing. Uh, you know, enjoying a little bit of the sun, even though it's snowing right now, which is just ridiculous. Uh, it's eight degrees out, and how I don't know how it's snowing. But anyways, uh, yeah, I've been able to do some fishing, stay quarantined with one of my buddies here, uh, and I'll be back in Vancouver probably middle of next week, I guess, because we got a lot of work to do, man. Hell yeah, man! And as we close out the show, I just want to remind everybody: uh, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts helps us out a lot. Uh, definitely check out the Patreon. Chris and I are working on getting a video out there. We did it last week. Chris brought in a bunch of pop, uh, like the 15 most popular pops in North America, and had me try each one of them and rank them. And I'm not a big pop drinker. I used to No, be, you could tell but- in the video, you're drinking the tiniest, you're drinking like a spoonful of each pop in, in the video. It pissed me off. Dude, I felt like crap after that too. Like I felt so bad. Like I had a headache. Like I was like, this sucks. I, I hate this. And like, yeah, I drink 15 pops. Let's just say it like that rather than saying I took a sip of each one. Because I did. Like, they were the smallest little sips. But oh, still, man. Like, it was pissing me off watching you take these small sips. <laughs> well, you made me try stuff I didn't even like. And this is my hot take for the day before we close up the show. Dr. Pepper is my least favorite pop. And, like, my uncle loves Dr. Pepper. And a lot of people do. But it's just not for me. Like, I cannot stand Dr. Pepper. Like, I think it tastes like piss. It's horrible. Hmm. Yeah, I, I like Dr. Pepper when you mix it in certain things. Like, um, you know, it's really good for slow cooking, slow cooking anything if you put it in a slow cooker. But 
I don't know. Dr. Pepper's okay. I used to like Dr. Pepper floats when I was a kid with, like, vanilla ice cream. That was pretty good. But now it's... I guess it's something that I liked as a kid, but I don't really like anymore. I, I don't think it's bad. I don't hate it like you hate it, though. Yeah, I, I do hate it. Like, hate's a strong word, but I'll use it when I'm talking about Dr. Pepper. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. But, uh, yeah, so I got something coming up on the Patreon as well, writing about um, why I actually love Nikolai Goldobin so much. That'll be coming up next week for you guys on the Patreon feed. It's only $1.69. Uh, for the nice tier, you guys can hop right into that. Or everybody else who's donating already with the 5 and 10s, uh, you guys will get all the content as well. And I know you got your article out there on JT Miller. We didn't really touch on it too much, but what did you get in the article from JT Miller there for people who, uh, I know you, know you don't want to give away the whole article, but you did get some good quotes out of them. Yeah, I did get some good quotes out of them for sure. Like, I, basically, it's how they became inseparable from one another. Like, again, you and I have talked about it on this podcast. Brock Besser and Elias Peterson were inseparable. And then when the lotto line stopped producing, it was Besser that was taken off that line. It wasn't JT Miller. JT Miller drives play exceptionally well, and he does it very well when he's playing with Elias Pettersson. I think JT Miller is a gamer, and I think he's somebody that the Canucks are going to be just fine having given up a first-round pick for. Like, he's this team's leading scorer, and I don't think anybody could have seen that coming. Yeah, definitely not. I was uh, I was looking at some of the stats that you included in there, and I was trying to look up Goldobin's numbers to put in my article to kind of dunk on yours, but JT Miller's were better than Goldobin. So uh, unfortunately, that's oh, not don't uh, say. <laughs> that's not a weapon in my arsenal anymore. I guess they get scored on a little bit more with uh, Goldie on the ice, but you know that's news to me. So I'll, I'll keep doing my research. I'll have my Nikolai Goldobin article coming out, uh, and yours was awesome. Corey gave us a great start as well. He sat down with a play-by-play voice, Joe Roberts. Uh, of the Unica Comets, and we touched on that a little bit in the Ride in the Bus segment, obviously. But, uh, yeah, that's that's what we got coming up in the future. Thanks to people who have jumped on the Patreon. I know Mr. Booth hopped in the other day. That's pretty cool. Uh, coming into yes, the Patreon very nice. One of the, one of the better follows on Canucks Twitter. Uh, so, yeah, thanks to everyone who's supporting us. And I know we mentioned it last week. If you guys are in the $10 tier right now and you want to drop down to 5 that's totally fine. Uh, we know it's tough times for everyone. Uh, but we want to keep continuing the content. And we'll have that video out very soon, hopefully early this week, maybe even this weekend here. All right. And I think that's all we've got for this week. So, for Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. You've been listening to the Canucks Conversation.